So, hi, Miss Tam. Thank Hello. you so much for being here. I'm looking forward to hearing about your job as a real estate broker. But before we get into your career, we're going to talk a little bit about Mini U. So, what was 13 year old you like? 13 year old Tam. Okay, that, that's a while ago. Yes. So, when I go back to that time, I was a middle school student living in Spokane, Washington. In a place where I would say there weren't many people that looked like me and my family. My days were pretty redundant. I mean, I just went to school, was really focused on my studies. I wasn't like an athlete, so I didn't have like major after school sports or anything. I really stayed focused on my academics. I was playing the violin, so I was in the orchestra at that time. And I think that was my main extracurricular activity. So that kept me pretty busy doing school orchestra and then private lessons also. So yeah, that was 13-year-old Tam. (laughs) Did you have any particular, like, skills or favorite classes or anything? You know, I feel like when I look back at who I was at that time, I was very insecure, actually. I think I lacked a lot of confidence, wasn't quite sure what my voice was, perhaps. I kind of I was pretty quiet in class, and I think anything that was an opportunity to put me front and center, I typically kind of shied away from that, and I didn't, it's not something that I felt comfortable stepping into. Would you say you were, like, shy, or? A lot of the people I've talked to say that they're shy. Yeah, I don't know if I was shy, but you know, I think I was I was living in a place where I felt very different from everyone around me. And there wasn't really anyone that was a role model or an adult, like teachers or just people in my community that looked like me, right? So there was kind of this this flow for me where I would go out, go to school, be the best student I could be, and then go home and feel like I could be myself and be with my family and speak Vietnamese and eat things at home and, you know, not be kind of nervous about sharing that part. But then as soon as I left the house, kind of had to hide all of that. And so when, I think as a child, when you're kind of going back and forth like that, you kind of hide parts of who you are. And so when I look back, I was hiding a big part of who I was. You know, I was Tam at school and I was Tham at home. So kind of two different identities I was juggling. So what did 13-year-old you think your job was going to be? Or your career path? or Like who I was going to be yeah. as an adult? Who did you think you would be when you grew up? Oh, boy. You know, I, I feel like when I, I didn't have a concrete like, job that I wanted. I knew that I wanted to go to college after high school and that perhaps I would run a business or something or... I think at one point I had like an interest in political science, not even knowing what that was. I think I had just heard of it and thought, oh, okay, that's science, politics. Sure, why not? Sure, exactly. I was the first in my family to go to college, so I was kind of figuring things out on my own constantly. I had a little sister, so for me, I didn't even have an older sibling, and my parents didn't go to college, and they didn't grow up in the United States. So it was a lot of trial and error, even at 13, you know having a test in school. I had to figure out what that meant and what that looked like and learning how to do assignments, trying to figure that out on my own. So at that time, it was really hard to kind of think too far into the future other than I really want to go to college and just be successful 
whatever that meant at that time. Yeah. Right. Oh, kind of moving up to high school a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, did you, like, as the years went on, get any influences or role models or, like, important people in your life? Yeah. I think the constant thing was I knew what it felt like to receive help from other people, and I wanted to be able to help others. It's kind of in a very general sense. I wanted to help other people. So once I got into high school, I found opportunities where I could volunteer a lot. So outside of school, I was spending a lot of time volunteering in the community, doing donation drives or things like that on my own outside of school. And so that's kind of what kind of put me on the path of more community service related work. And I think that also helped to build up my confidence because I was going out and seeking those opportunities on my own, and then it pushed me outside of my comfort zone. So I had to speak to strangers, (laughs) right? I had to line up these opportunities and then constantly be in situations where maybe I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but it was going to be okay if I maybe failed. But the end result was that I would be helping someone else. So that kind of was a turn for me when I allowed myself to do that. Sounds like Girl Scouts would have been the perfect place for the high school you. Yeah, I don't think I even knew about Girl Scouts at that Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. It always kind of surprises me when people, like, don't know what Girl Scouts are. So, I'm assuming you were still very serious about school and stuff in high school? I was. And a funny thing is, so, my mom, when I, I think I was a a freshman, a first-year student in high school, she, my mom actually signed me up for a, a, a pageant. So I don't share Why? this too much with people, but I'll share it with you. <laughs> this is an oh, exclusive. So, so she signed me up for a pageant with which I was, I was mortified. I said, why? I do not want to do this. I hated every part of it. But I think the learning lesson out of it was it really pushed me to do some public speaking. I had to interview with people. I had to do speeches, right? And that's Mm -hmm. a skill set that you have to learn. And so at that time, right, around the beginning of high school is in uncomfortable situations, I had to learn to do some public speaking. And that has definitely helped me as I've gotten older and went into college and interviewing for jobs. It was kind of like the beginning of that for me. So although I thought it was a terrible experience, there was something (laughs) good that came out of it. So you didn't, like, in the end, like, oh, I'm so glad I did that, like, at the end of it. Back. No, no. <laughs> Do any more? No, no. All right. <laughs> you mentioned that you figured a lot of these things out on your own. Did you not have any, like, high school counselors or anyone to help you? My high school had a college counselor, and so I would meet with my my high school college counselor, and I remember you know, kind of everybody going through a similar process. I was at a college prep high school. And so right around junior year, everybody would kind of start talking about college and, you know, where are you going to apply and which college campuses you're going to visit. And I was drawn by a postcard that had, or a brochure that had palm trees on it. (laughs) I was like, I think that's where I want to go to college. It just looks pretty. You know, and now that you think, I mean, that's not the best way to pick a college. Nope. (laughs) But for me, I kind of wanted a different setting. I wanted to get out of my hometown and and move away and and grow a little bit more. And that's kind of what that, I ended up going to that 
university that I was drawn to for the palm trees ended up being much better than just palm trees. And right, yeah. Well, and in addition to the palm trees, I will say I had family that lived near the campus. So it was kind of a safety net for me where I could leave home, go have this college experience and know that I had aunts and uncles and grandparents that lived not too far from the college if, yeah. you know, if I needed family. So where was that college? Yes, so I went to Santa Clara University in Santa Clara, California in the Bay Area. And I did my bachelor's degree there in psychology. And then I also did my master's degree in educational administration. So I didn't, I wasn't declared a psychology when I first went. I actually declared my major as political science because it sounded like what I wanted to do. What did that turn out? And then I took a class in political science and that said, this is not what I want to do. (laughs) And I kind of reevaluated, you know, what it was, what did I really want to study? Because in college, that's what you get to do, right? You get to really figure out what do I enjoy learning? And so psychology, like how people think and how they work, that is what really intrigued me. So I changed my major actually went into my first year thinking I was going to major in political science. So did you just like take a bunch of different classes to find out what you wanted to major in? Yeah, and I think talking in college is a little bit different. I did find people that could mentor me. And, you know, I said, I kind of thinking about changing my major. What would that look like? And so I had some really great people that worked at the campus that kind of helped coach me through that process. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to move away from college a little bit. So where did, what, what happened after college? Where did you go? So two days after I walked the stage for my college graduation, I started a job two days after, and it was working in a psychiatric facility for at-risk youth. And so I kind of just jumped right in and was doing crisis intervention work. And at that time I was 21, 22. And so for the first few years I was doing that work, I actually moved from the Barrier up to Portland about six months after I graduated and worked up here. I was working with teen parents in Portland and did some case management with at-risk youth in Vancouver also. And then life took me to Arkansas for a little bit where I worked with a crisis center there. This is kind of, you're following my journey here, right? (laughs) Well, you'll see a little loop. So I go to Arkansas and then I find myself back in the Bay Area doing crisis work again. And do you know what a pager is? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So at that time, I had a pager and I was on call pretty much in those jobs. I was on call 24-7. So whenever my clients needed me, they could reach me and I would, you know, be available to help them. So it was pretty intensive work at that time. But I was definitely using my psychology degree, and it's what I wanted. But the reality was, three years into it, I got really burnt out. It was really, it was not something that I could maintain. I was young and had a lot of energy and wanted to save the world, but it wasn't something I could keep doing. And then I came across an opportunity. I had someone at my the university that I went to reach out to me, and they said, Tam, would you be interested in a position that's open? at the university where I went to school. I said, well, I'm not qualified. I looked at the job description and said, I don't qualify. Why would I apply for it? They said, just try. I thought that was kind of silly. So, but I applied and I got the job. And the job was to work in student leadership development. And so I got to work with college student leaders 
similar to kind of programs that I was involved with when I was a student. And then when I was doing that job, at the same time, I was getting my master's degree at the university. So that was kind of a big perk, and I was able to do those two things. And I ended up working at the university for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, so I worked in multicultural learning, student leadership, and community-based learning during that time. Well, I mean, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Right, you just have to try. Even if it seems like it's not something that you would be qualified for or doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it would be a good fit. Or even, like, interested in. Right, yeah, you never know until you actually try and kind of take that leap and trust in your own abilities, right? So why did your friend reach out to you for the position at the university? So he actually ended up being my boss, later on, but I think he had heard that I was back in town, that I had moved back, and it's a network, right? So when you graduate from a university, you're part of the alumni network, people are connected and they know each other. And so kind of word of mouth, people said, there's this position open, I think Tam might be interested, or Tam might be good for it, right? And so people start calling each other and making connections, and so that's kind of what opened the door for me. Would I have gotten that job if I didn't go to that university? Probably not, because I didn't have those relationships. And so relationships have been very key in terms of where I have chosen to have a career and the changes that I've made throughout my career. So what were some of the skills that you were using when you were doing that and the, the teen crisis prevention thing? Well, some of the skills was I had to be really independent, right? And so if you remember when I talked about kind of in high school, trying to look for opportunities, create opportunities on my own, I had to tap into that independence. And then, you know, being able to manage, do case management and work with clients on my own. I didn't have someone that was with me all the time telling me exactly what I had to do, right? I had to kind of think about what was the overall goal And then I myself had to figure out the path to achieve those goals and help my clients get there. And then when I was in a university, I was teaching classes. I had never taught a class before. And then I found myself standing in front of 20, 30 college students trying to teach a leadership class, right? So it's interesting because a lot of my students used to think I was an extrovert, right? Because they would see me stand up in front of a class and they would see me present myself as someone very outgoing and social. But if you know about personality types, my personality type is actually very introverted. So it's very exhausting for me to be in front of a big group of people, right? So that's something that was not natural for me. I had to kind of push myself again and say, okay, pull it together, Tam. You're going to teach the class and you need to be confident in it, right? Because the college students will know. <laughs> yeah. They will be able to pick up on it. And so there are some skills that I already had and others that had to evolve or I had to practice, right? The first few times it was very uncomfortable to speak in front of a group or teach a class, but I had to keep doing it until it wasn't uncomfortable anymore. And then eventually it starts to feel a little bit better and you just kind of know when to flip that switch on. It's easy to see someone as something or expect something of someone when you only see them in one, like, situation. So how did you develop the skill, well, all of the skills, really, but specifically, like, the false confidence that you were kind of talking about? You know, I had some very, very important professional mentors. So the person who was my supervisor at that time was extremely supportive 
was very good at supporting me and challenging me, right? So reminding me that I should be confident and letting me know what I was capable of and then putting me in situations to test me. <laughs> Right. And so it's a balance of that as well. And we had a very trusting relationship. So I trusted that he would be okay if I failed. Right. And if I made mistakes. And it's a really nice thing to have when you are a professional and you're working, you know, to have someone coach you through that. So I was very lucky that pretty much anyone that's been my my manager or my supervisor has always been very supportive of me. So each time I would grow a little bit more. Right. So it's like building blocks just built on each skill each time. Yeah. Ah, so how did you go from working for the university to being a real estate agent? So I was at the university working for 10 years, but I also went to school there, right? So if you think about it, it's more like 15 years of my life that happened at that campus. And it was great, I loved it, but at some point, I kind of felt like I wasn't being challenged anymore. I felt like, okay, I'm doing all these things, and it was fun, but it's not as enjoyable anymore. And when you're in the education field, sometimes it can feel very, just every quarter is kind of the same thing, and I was ready for more. And there was a part of me that felt like I had skills that I wasn't using. And I wanted to be, I wanted to push myself a little bit more. So I actually went through a whole process of reflection and mind mapping and trying to figure out what do I want my next step to be. And I did informational interviews with people I knew. And I actually met with my real estate broker that helped me buy my first home. And I said, can we just have meet for coffee? And we met and I said, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about what you do. And I actually asked her, do you think I have the skill set to do what you do? And she said, absolutely. And so I think it was having someone tell me that I could make the change and do that. And I just had faith in myself and took the leap. And I left my whole career in education where I had my master's degree and everything. And then just trusted that I was capable of starting something completely brand new that I knew nothing about. I don't know why I'm slightly surprised that you brought up informational interviews. Almost every other person I've talked to has said it like a million times. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the other careers that you were looking into and thought you might be interested in pursuing? I didn't really focus on other careers. I focused on three questions which was part of my my process for figuring out what my next step would be. So the three questions I wanted to really think about was what what brings me joy? Like not just, just makes me happy temporarily, but what really brings me joy? What am I good at? And then what does the world need? And so I spent a lot of time trying to answer those three questions for myself. And that kind of put me in a place where I could figure out that a lot of my life, even starting in high school, I was with people at times when that they needed help, right? And I was and during the times I was working at the university, I was with a lot of people that were going to college for the first time in their family. So a lot of these firsts, right? And so I started to think, what's another big thing that happens in life that's someone's first time? And how can I be there to help them through that? So it kind of came to 
the first, like being the first in your family to buy a home or buying a home for the first time. And I wanted to be there for people when they do that. And so when I thought about my skills and what I could do, I'm very organized, which you need someone who can be there for you. You need an advocate, someone who can speak up and cheer you on. And those were all things I could do helping people buy their first home. And so, and all of that allowed me also to kind of be really independent and own my own time because I was also juggling having a family. What were some of the first steps you took once you decided that real estate was a career you wanted to go into? I had to figure out how I would become a real estate broker. And so there were lots of exams that I had to take and prepare for. I had to take a a class. And all of that, I was researching while I was in California, and I was moving to Oregon. So I had to figure out not only a new career, but a new career in a new place. And so, you know, what those requirements would be in Oregon. So when I first moved to Oregon, my first six months were all about studying and taking courses for the exam. Were you buying a house while this was happening? I was not buying a house at the time that I was studying, but I did shortly after. <laughs> like studying all the ways to help people buy houses and then goes and buys a house. Yes, which is also a good way to learn because then you can make mistakes on yourself rather than other people. So what was the like classes that you were taking and tests and what was all of that like? So I chose, you can do classes in person or you can do them online. And because as a mom with two little kids, I decided to do online classes. So for me, all of my studying happened after I put my kids to bed. And when you're older and you're taking classes, it takes a little bit longer to, I think, remember everything and study. So yeah, a lot of my studying happened in the evening and taking those online classes and, you know, studying for the exam, which I kind of left for a few days and just kind of planted myself at a coffee shop and studied really hard for my exam six months after I took the classes. Once you pass the exam, is that just like instant certification or is there like a exam and then a separate certification process? So in order to become a licensed broker in Oregon, I had to pass an exam, right? But then I have to figure out where I'm going to have my business, kind of like my home base. So I had to figure out which, which brokerage I would be at. And so that was another kind of process that was happening at the same time. I had to go around and interview with different offices and really figure out where do I want to start my business, which is a good place, right? Because not every office is the same. So for me, what was important was I needed to find a manager that was going to be very supportive of me because I had always had that before, right? And then every place kind of has different values. And so I needed to find a place that fit with what I personally valued. And for me, it's professionalism, being community oriented, right? And really having excellent service no matter what you do. And so I needed to find a place where that felt like it was going to fit with who I was. When I was interviewing different places, I didn't want to compromise who I was. You know, and so there were some places I'd meet with them and I'd say, this is not going to work out. (laughs) And then I interviewed where I'm currently at and it checked off all the boxes. I was going to have a manager that would help me figure out this new career 
and also where I didn't feel like I had to change who I was at all. So, yeah. So getting the license and passing the test is one part, but also figuring out where do you want to have your business and where will you get the support that you need. And that's just kind of in general great advice for whatever job you want to mm-hmm. be doing. Exactly. Honestly, when we started talking about values, I thought of my social studies teacher because we had this big thing a few months ago where we, like everything we did, she was like, so what were the values that these people had? Or what were the values that were, what, what were some of the values? How do you think your values align with this group, ancient civilization? Right, right. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. How do you know if your values align if you don't know what your values are, right? So there has to be that first step of figuring out what you actually value. And so that was actually something I would teach a whole class at at the university about that, helping students figure out what do you value. And that question is a little bit bigger than sometimes you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So. So... What is the difference in between a real estate broker and a real estate agent? So it depends on where you live, but here when you hear a a broker, or sometimes you hear realtor also, right? And those words are kind of used in the same way. So if you ever hear of a realtor, it means that they are likely an agent that's part of a larger organization. It's part of the realtor association. But it's usually the most more common term that you hear. A broker, in most cases, will own like their own company, right? So they're completely responsible for what they do. A real estate agent might be helping a broker or working under a company. But here in Oregon, as a licensed broker, I'm fully responsible for everything that I do when I work with my clients, right? So it's a lot of responsibility. So you just like work under a company, but you're not like. So yeah, so I'm I'm part of a company in the sense that you know my business lives under, like if you imagine like the umbrella of an organization, like a big company. That's kind of like where I choose to have my business, where I, my business lives, right? But I can choose to move it to a different place, right? Nobody kind of owns my business other than me makes sense cool that's huh yeah so I can <laughs> that makes a lot of sense yeah. but that's not something I ever like I don't know expected so sometimes when you go around let's say you're driving around town right and you see all the different signs in front of homes right and there's different signs and different names of companies and then you see a name underneath it it's that person has chosen for their business to live under that company, right? So the signs that I have are under Windermere because that's where I have my business. But I could also choose to leave that company and move my business to a different one if I wanted to, right? Yeah. And they could in turn say like, we don't like what you're doing. You have to move your business if they didn't like you anymore. I I suppose they could, yeah, right? Because both sides have to be happy, right? So if you're, let's say, not doing well or it's not, you're not representing the company well, they might say, this is not a good place for you to be. You should look somewhere else. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that, like, you have a manager, or Mm -hmm. at least when you started out, you wanted a manager that, like, 
helped you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the word I was looking yeah. for was. So how, what does your manager do for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he does a little bit less now. I've been doing real estate for six years. So I've learned a lot in six years, but in the beginning, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience. So I needed someone that I could call because I was work, I'm working for myself, right? But I need someone that I can call when I have questions or when I have, you know, run into a problem, I'm not quite sure how to solve it. So as my managing, my manager, I could call him and say, I'm not sure what to do about this situation. Can you help me, right? And it's somebody that's just there to support me and my business. Right, and not everybody has that, but I knew that I needed that, being new at the time. And now I don't call him as much, but I know that if I need help with anything, I can. Yeah. I was just curious because if you're like working under yourself kind of, mm-hmm. I was wondering how a manager would fit into that. So, what steps would a high school student take if they were interested in, like, experimenting in the real estate business? Yeah. I think the first step would be to reach out to someone who is a real estate broker and ask them if there's an opportunity to shadow them or to have, like, a mentorship opportunity. There are some organizations, so one of the organizations that I'm part of. I'm part of the Asian Real Estate Association, the Portland chapter, and I'm on the board of directors. And we have a mentorship program. And that's for kind of any new person, doesn't need to be young, but anyone who's kind of considering, you know, being in the real estate industry. And before they make a commitment, they want to learn a little bit. That gives them an opportunity to be with people in the industry and just be around it. You can't you can't read everything, right? Reading reading about it in a book it might be different than how it actually looks in real life. So it gives you an opportunity to learn in real life before making a big change. And then there's a lot of programs out there that can help financially, you know, because taking a class and taking an exam that all, that all is an expense. It costs money, right? And so there are programs out there to help kind of get people started. And the company that I'm with when I joined, they helped get me started with training and those kind of things. So there's lots of opportunities out there for anyone that's interested. You just have to put yourself out there and get connected and ask. You know, it never hurts to ask. Just ask people, can I learn from you, right? And if you get a no, you move on to the next person and you say, can I learn from you? What would that look like, you know? Until, and you keep asking until you hear a yes. Yeah. So, so I know each contract is different, like it's what you talk about with the client, but mm-hmm. what, how do I get paid? Yes, basically. Yeah, good question. <laughs> Not everyone asks that question and they should. So how I get paid, right? So each time a house is sold, there's someone who's buying the house and there's someone who's selling the house, right? The person who owns the house and is selling it whatever amount they make from selling it, right? There's a, there's a fee that they have for the agent that's representing them. And whatever they've agreed on, that amount is wh- what 
is how the two agents get paid. There's an agent that represents the buyer and an agent that represents the seller, right? And so it's the person who owns the home selling it, that, that's where the money comes from, yeah. So the person paying me when I'm, when I'm helping someone buy a home is actually the person who sold the home. Is there anything that you wanted to add that I did not ask about? I think the main thing I would just say at your age as you're thinking about like future careers is that you don't have to have it all figured out yet and that it will change over time, right? As you live more and have more experiences, what you want to do and how, you know, what kind of job you have and what you'll get paid for is that will kind of evolve and change as, as your life changes. And that's, it's a good thing. You know, because that means like your mind has opened up to more possibilities and more opportunities and you've kind of, you see what some other options are, you know, so just could encourage you to keep your mind open to all the possibilities. That is honestly some of like a portion of what my, this whole project is about. Good. Good. So is there any advice that you would give to 13-year-old you? Oh, 13-year-old me. That's a good circling back. I think I would tell myself to not be afraid to use my voice and that being different can be a good thing and that there is that there are people out there who will support me achieve my goals.